Welcome to Agribusiness Conversations, the podcast with your business in mind. This is Amber Morin, your host. My guest on the show today is Steve Metz. Steve has been employed with the Valley Telecom Cooperative Group for 12 years. Prior to this, Steve was employed by two telecommunications consulting firms and two other telecommunications companies. Steve has been involved in the areas of telecommunications with an emphasis on finance, regulatory, and government relations. His tenure in the industry is 31 years. I'm excited to have Steve on the show today to talk about how technology has changed, how it's impacting our businesses, how it's impacting our lives, and what the future holds. So Steve, thanks so much for joining me today. Have I missed anything about you that you might want the audience to know? No, I don't think so. Thank you. Fantastic. Well, thanks for joining us again. Now, Steve, as far as telecommunications goes, it's been an essential part of our lives and really the development of rural America. Its significance continues to grow, and we are lucky that rural communities across the nation are provided with reliable internet and phone service, especially now that you know we're in the throes of a pandemic and sort of kind of making our way out of it. Lives and businesses would look much different if we didn't have this technology. So how and why did rural telecom communications cooperatives begin? Can you give us some history on that? Sure. Uh, when the telephones first got going in the early 1900s, it was really uh, controlled by one company that you know, eventually became AT&T. So it was mm-hmm. a monopoly that served the entire country. They focused all of their attention on the larger population areas. And uh, so obviously they built out in the big cities first, and then they came to some of the smaller communities. But in, in large part, they ignored the rural areas like the ones that we serve and live in. So right. individual groups of ranchers and farmers and citizens got together throughout the country and formed individual cooperatives and in some cases, little small commercial companies through the REA program at the time. So REA had been involved with setting up electricity in rural areas. In the 30s, they expanded it to telecom, and these companies got going using those kinds of loans and uh, built it out from there. So Valley itself was formed in uh, 1962 in that same manner, got together and uh, formed, and then they did a couple of acquisitions of other areas in New Mexico and that type of thing, and uh, we've been around since then. Fantastic. Now, what I love about your guys' website is I was kind of diving into it, researching um, the cooperative. The great history of it is that your mission has stayed the same while the technology has obviously advanced rapidly. Now, what are some of the biggest advances in the telecommunications industry that cooperatives have been able to keep up with? And then how have these cooperatives been able to keep member rates reasonably low while keeping up with that technology? Probably the, you know, the biggest, when we went into business, it was, you know, party line telephone service over copper wire and you had, you know, eight people sharing a line and, you know, that that type of thing. And, um, you know, the evolution of digital switching and then uh, eventually fiber optic cable has probably been the biggest one that's allowed the most uh, expansion of data services and that type thing is the fiber. The way that we've been able to keep up with and keep it affordable is... Ever since the 30s, the uh, 
the FCC has had what's called a universal service policy, in meaning that they wanted to have everybody be able to afford a telephone. So the way that they did that in the early days was is that they made everybody's local basic rate be the same, and then they charged additional money for long distance. So, so back in the day, you know, long distance calls were very expensive, and it was it was because that was considered kind of a luxury, and it would subsidize you know the the uh, local service. So they wanted everybody to be able to call their neighbor, call the hospital, call you know local businesses for a flat rate and keep that reasonable. The way that they've been able to do that in the rural areas is not only that, but also through a universal service fund that the SEC governs. So on everybody's telephone bill, if you look at the interstate portion of the telephone bill, there's a universal service fund surcharge that everybody in the country pays into uh, on their cell phone, on their landline. And then uh, we submit our costs to that and they help us. So that's what keeps it affordable. The idea is still the same as that rural customers should pay roughly the same as urban customers uh, to mm-hmm. be on the network. So that's what that fund does. And, and we spend a ton of time, you know, lobbying for that, lobbying for changes to that. Now, the, the big thing is over the recent years is that it's, it was always geared towards telephone service. Yeah. And, uh, you know, landline telephone service isn't uh, a high demand, you know, other than businesses now. You know, most of the residential has gone to to wireless, but the uh, internet is still incredibly demanding you know, on wires or dependent on wires to be able to work, and that's where our business has evolved to. So they're trying to figure out how to transition the universal service fund over to supporting internet versus the telephone service. Problem that they have with that at this point is that they've got it so it's supporting the service, but the fund is still being funded by just telephone customers because there's federal law against taxing the internet. So there's no surcharge on internet customers. So the internet in rural areas is essentially still being paid for by telephone customers, you know, throughout the country. I was just going to ask you what the challenges were with that. And that makes perfect sense if you're running into that as you're transitioning from landlines to internet that's got to present some huge challenges financially to figure out how that's going to work. That's largely why you see, uh, you know, the, the surcharge on that bill, it's almost 25% now. And it's, it's not because the costs of providing service are going up is because the, the revenue base of the landline phones is going down. So they have to keep increasing the rate. So we've been trying to get the FCC, you know, to address that for several years and, and I think they're, they're finally, there's some legislative attempt at least going to start happening this year to at least look at it. Fantastic. What, do you mind if I ask what type of legislation we'd be looking at? Well, it'd be legislation that would basically allow the FCC to assess a surcharge on internet customers. Definitely. That makes perfect sense. And really at the end of the day, access to reliable um, communications tools can really transform lives and businesses. So I'm curious, how businesses and house like how many um, businesses and households the Valley Telecom Cooperative actually serves. That's something that was on my mind. At the present time, we serve about 3,500 telephone customers, mm-hmm. 6,200 internet customers. So 9,000 connections, we call them. Some of those customers are the same. Some have both, but that's basically where we are. I can 
see what you're saying. There, there's got to be some changes as to where that surcharge is coming from. And that's just locally, nationwide. I can't imagine what those numbers are. Now, I'm curious how Valley Telecom responded to the pandemic with the added pressure of, say, schools going online and professionals working from home and businesses obviously increasing their online presence. And obviously there was added pressure on you guys to provide that reliable service and to continue providing that reliable service. But what about nationwide have you heard for these local cooperatives and how have they had to sort of step up to really address everyone going online now? So for Valley, it's been very interesting in that mm-hmm. you know, we establish a, an annual sales goal, obviously. How many new mm-hmm. customers do we hope to achieve in a year? And uh, we hit that goal in April. <laughs> right. <laughs> our annual goal because of this you know, demand, people trying to work for home and, and that type of thing. And as far as the schools go, we reached out to the schools immediately and mm-hmm. said that we wanted to do what we can to help them connect kids that don't have internet so that they could finish yeah. their school year. So we reached out to all of the schools in our, in our area and went out and provided free service to several kids. You know, each of the schools gave us a list and and we served the ones that we could. Uh, We did that either through some wireless or in some cases we just laid a wire on top of the ground just to be able to get them through the school year. And then we didn't charge them. And then we also, we have an education foundation that we use to give scholarships to our kids. And the board uh, authorized us to give each school up to $10,000 each to go buy laptops or uh, Chromebooks or or whatever for the kids. So we allocated $150,000 for that and uh, have spent about 120 of that to all of the schools in the area. From what I hear, Mm -hmm. the rural companies throughout the country have done very similar things in doing that, you know, tried to step up and give service to, to everybody they can. That's really incredible. I had no idea that you guys reached out to that many students and were able to provide that much service. So, you know, thank you for that. I mean, that's part of it is telecommunications and this, you know, digital divide in the rural areas is a real challenge. Now, in 2018, the administration did recognize that there was this digital divide between, you know, small towns and metropolitan areas. So what did that federal infrastructure plan mean and what did it do for cooperatives? Because you know, just for someone like myself, I'm not going to know. And I'm sure a lot of other people don't know as well. So the digital divide is uh, it's kind of a, uh, it's a term that, that makes sense, but it's not, it's not necessarily the case in areas that are served by companies like Valley. Gotcha. So, so Valley provides fiber to the home in Sunsites, in uh, Wilcox, in Safford. You know, Wilcox and Safford are, are CenturyLink communities. They're the ones that provide service there. So in some cases where there's companies that are like Valley, there's better service in the rural areas than there is in Tucson. Nice. (laughs) But but the digital divide is really Tucson versus Wilcox from CenturyLink's perspective. So so the big companies that have all of those areas like Tucson, where they're having to compete against Cox and several other cable providers, they Mm -hmm. focus all of their attention to those communities. And then they ignore the towns like Wilcox, which created a space for us to come in and take a lot of business from them. That's where the original digital divide really is, is in, in the area that are served by those bigger companies. 
So CC has addressed that in a couple of different ways. When they evolved the Federal Universal Service Fund to try to get to the internet, they split it up. And first they did it to what's called price cap carriers. And that was to the big companies to address. So that was for CenturyLink to go address their rural areas. Then the second half of it was for companies like us. So the smaller carriers got the second half of it. The larger carriers got the first half of it. But the larger carriers are still struggling with getting those areas built out. So there's continually more auctions coming up where the FCC is going to try to help. There's one coming up later this year called the Rural Digital, Digital Opportunity Fund where they have the ability to go in. And for some areas that they feel are still unserved, we'll be able to go in and, and submit a bid and say, we'll, we'll do it for this much money, um, that type of thing. So that's going to be going this summer. Thanks for explaining that to me, because I wasn't aware of sort of, you know, we hear about the digital divide, and I automatically think of just rural versus urban, but that's not necessarily what it is. Right. It's, it's not necessarily that. That's true. But, but yeah. those big companies do, still do serve them. They're the largest parts of the country. So Right. Absolutely. <laughs> 1,500 companies like Valley throughout the United States. I don't think a lot of people know that either, but, you know, the, the most rural areas are pretty much all served by companies like us. Well, and it's great because, like you said, those larger companies aren't necessarily willing to come out there and serve areas like Wilcox or Elfrida and those smaller rural communities. Now, you did mention goals a little bit earlier about the fact that you guys already met your goal in April for people going online, which is great. What other goals do you have as a cooperative for your customers as far as areas of service and really where you want to expand, recognizing that you've taken a huge leap this year already? The next step for, for Valley is uh, we've got uh, you know, a large area where we don't have fiber to the home. We've got mm-hmm. high-speed internet, but in a lot of cases, about 10 megabits a second is as fast as you can get. And there's some areas that are less than that. Um, The new standard from the FCC is 25 megabits a second. And even that is uh, not going to be tolerable to most people, you know, very quickly. So (laughs) so our goal is to get fiber to the home to as many uh, places as possible. Uh, In the next, we've committed to the FCC to do 5,000 new locations of fiber to the home in the next 10 years. So, so the vast majority of Valley's service area will be mm-hmm. served by fiber to, to the home. And once they have that, they can get gigabit speeds, uh, you know, to each house. And um, it's still going to be a challenge to get to places like where you grew up. Um, yeah. Very, very, very isolated and, you know, a long ways from anything we have and be extremely expensive to get up there. But I still think there's going to be wireless opportunities to even improve service there. Not necessarily fiber, but the wireless technology keeps advancing too as far as the the speed that you can provide. So it's really just to keep increasing the speed. It's very interesting that um, when I started at Valley in in 2005, our whole network could probably run on 150 megabits. Mm -hmm. I mean, all of the voice traffic, everything. Oh, Um, wow. And now it's, you're looking at, you know, every house having more than that. It's just amazing what the internet has done to the business. Well, and telecommunications in general, the advancements in that technology over the last hundred years is just very, very impressive. And it improves our lives. It improves our businesses. And it's a really exciting field to be in. That kind of brings me to my next question, which is specific towards businesses, since this is the agribusiness conversation podcast. But 
you know, what services do you guys have that are tailored specifically, say, to larger organizations or companies? One of our biggest business services that is very helpful to people is, uh, we call it simplicity service, but it's basically, it's an IP-based phone system that businesses use. So back in the day, if you had an office with 20 extensions, you had to have your own switch. It was called a PBX or a key system. Probably had to spend, you know, twenty, thirty thousand dollars in some cases to, yeah. to put that in um, and have it there and be able to, you know, switch calls to extensions and stuff like that. Well, mm-hmm. now we we provide that service where it's just a phone that you put on the desk that's plugged into the internet, and then we, you know we do the switching all in our switch, so that so the company really has no capital investment to be able to have those kinds of services. So that's one of the bigger ones for the businesses. And of course, the other one is just the larger bandwidth that, that the business needs. In a lot of cases, residential service can be provided with what we'll call it an asynchronous service where you've got a 100 megabit download, but upload, it's only like three megabits or something because most people don't upload a lot of stuff. So businesses, you have to have a synchronous service. That's harder to provide. And, and we do those types of things. And then there's a lot of different types of business services, but probably the, one of the bigger things that people don't recognize with Valley, though, is, you know, mm-hmm. the transition to wireless and really the entire, the entire wireless network really runs on Valley's fiber network. So every Verizon cell site, every AT&T cell site is connected to our fiber and that's how it really works. So the wireless call is really only wireless, you know, from your cell phone to that tower. From uh-huh. that point, it gets on the fiber network. So without that fiber network, they wouldn't uh, be able to do anything with data or texting or, you know, internet or anything like that. So, so that's really one of our largest business services, too, is providing a wholesale service to those wireless providers. And as far as the agribusiness, I mean, we, there, there's a lot of crop circles that uh, have you know, water monitoring type services. There's sprinklers are controlled by Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. There's, uh, you know, tractors have GPS and, and those types of things. A lot of those are wireless type services that we don't really provide. I mean, those are provided by wireless mm-hmm. providers. But again, we connect them to the Internet or connect them to the, to the fiber that really makes it work. I've gone to a few agribusiness seminars, that type of things, and the kinds of things that they're doing. I've yeah. seen things about, you know, monitoring cattle herds. It's pretty incredible what, what can be done with the internet. It's impressive. And one of the things that I'm grateful that you pointed out is that as soon as that communication hits a tower, it's going into the fiber that you guys have laid all across the area and the, you know, the cooperative footprint. And so I don't think a lot of people recognize that. So it's nice to give Valley Telecom really a shout out for that, because I think there's sort of this bit of mystery about actually how that communication happens. So I do appreciate you taking the time to kind of explain that to the audience. And I mean, that's a huge part of it. Yeah, it is. You know, when you start talking about uh, call before you dig, and I mean, that's, that's incredibly important because you know, mm-hmm. we got a situation in Tucson a month ago where uh, where we got uh, our fiber cut in half and you know there's nobody able to run a credit card in town there's cell service doesn't work for some of the providers and internet's down oh. it's an important facility but we have to protect it too so it's overlooked a little bit definitely i mean it's amazing that all of these transactions and really communications transactions are going through those fibers 
you know, our network at this point is is about 23 gigabits, what we're using, and it's 100% full uh, at this point. Because we, I mean, we're trying to get more, but it's kind of the uh, COVID thing is kind of crunch out some of our supply line for for equipment and of course there's less people working so it's it's harder to expand i mean we'd like to be able to provide mm-hmm. some more quickly but we've got an order that's being held up now because of all of that to increase that capacity but it, it's a lot of data i mean it's uh, netflix is, <laughs> is <laughs> incredibly how much you know they use Right. Well, the next time somebody watches Netflix near me, I'll just remind them, hey, you need to, you know, thank your telecommunications service. Here's sort of another question that just sort of came up randomly as we're talking. When you're talking about expanding your network and maxing out the capacity of some of these lines, is there a certain amount of gigabytes that they can hold? And then do you work around that sort of like a highway system where there's more lines in place or how does that work? One of the nicest things about fiber is, is that it's kind of unlimited. The glass fibers, you know, they transport laser light, but the way that they've involved or evolved it is that they just keep making the lasers faster and faster. You can do way more capable, you know, it takes a lot less fiber to do a lot more data with a faster laser product. So, you know, in Valley's biggest areas, uh, we have 96 fiber strands. And so we'll have capacity for, you know, a long time before that ever gets full because they keep evolving the, uh, the electronics. Fantastic. Yeah, thanks for that. I'm sitting here going, how does this work? As far as that ever-changing telecommunications industry, and we know that it's constantly evolving and changing, what's on the horizon? What do you see in the next, say, 10 years for the cooperative and um, really for the telecommunications industry? I think what's really going to happen in the communications industry, I think, I think that you know the internet's obviously going to continue to grow. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's going to be more and more services that are available. I, I think um, one of the things that you're seeing right now is like TV. You know, cable TV is is uh, the dying probably, and that's where it's going. And, and I think you can see that. I mean, Valley did a 10-year trial at running cable TV, and and we finally just got out of it because it's you know it's, it's taken away from our internet business, and that's. That's what's really going to be the future. So, you know, I think it's, it's really going to be Internet. I think uh, things like uh, mm-hmm. long distance calls are going to be a thing of the past. Uh, I'd be surprised if in 10 years there's such a thing as a long distance call anymore. Um, right. It's obviously more fiber to the residents. So, uh, right, right. you know, once we get everybody connected to fiber and then. It's exciting. So, Steve, at this point, is, is there anything that we've missed around this conversation that you might like the audience to know? Maybe things about the communications industry that people don't know that you're like, hey, actually, people really need to know this. You know, for rural consumers, especially, they, they, need, to, they need to realize how much help they do get, you know, from the federal laws, from these universal service funds. I mean, you know, Valley charged $12.25 for phone service from 1962 to 2007. In reality, you know, those rates should have probably been over $100 a month, you know, without mm-hmm. help from those funds. So staying on top of the politicians, you know, fighting for those types mm-hmm. of services and, you know, realizing that you know, we do need some help from them. And just like the, uh, you know, the people in the cities need to realize that food doesn't come from Whole Foods too. It, you know, we need to realize that we're getting that help and 
um, mm-hmm. advocate for it. That's a big thing. Definitely. And like you said, it's sort of a big picture approach where we are getting that help from and that support to really stay connected and run our, you know, homes and businesses at the same time. That's huge. Now, if somebody is interested in contacting you, if they have additional questions, where can they reach you? And if somebody is interested in, you know, getting service or they're wondering, you know, am I going to get service in my area next? Who do they need to contact? They can contact Valley at mm-hmm. our, uh, you know, look at our website and there's 800 numbers on there. So www.vtc.net, but you can look at the services on there. Uh, you can mm-hmm. contact me through email on there or through uh, contact our customer service. So we'd love to talk to anybody. That wraps up this episode of Agribusiness Conversations. Thanks for joining and we'll catch you next time. 